0: Greg Amsinger joins us. He celebrated 15 years with MLB Network. The MLB Network is only 15 years old, and Greg celebrated uh, signing with MLB Network 15 years ago, earlier this week. And uh, Greg Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, and, of course, a native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University, is with us now. Good morning, sir. How
1: are you? Uh, You know, looking back uh, 15 years, it's crazy. I remember it as if it was yesterday. I was 17 years old, and... (laughs) You know, it was a very daunting thing to be on national TV at such a young age. So uh, to be in my 30s now, I just kind (laughs) of soared by, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Greg, did you guys start on January 1 of 2009?
1: Yeah, can you believe that? So it connected the dots to a lot of people asking this question. Why were you hired so close to the launch of the network? Yeah, Because I barely squeaked in. I was like the last guy they hired last on air person they hired because they didn't think they really needed me. And they tried to do some shows and tape some shows to see how the launch was going to go. Matt best was busy doing some Fox stuff to end his contract there, college football, uh, BCS games. And, and, um, then they realized, you know what? The last thing they wanted to do was hire somebody that wasn't affiliated with one of the 30 major league teams. I wasn't. So they brought me in and, uh, I kind of made the most of it, I guess you could say.
0: You know, you have, and you're spectacular. And uh, irony of ironies, 101 ESPN also went on the air, and I did here on January 1st of 2009.
1: What a marriage. Yeah. beautiful. I'm glad we talk every week. We should. We're like connected souls. You know, it's funny. I I look back at the nine coolest things I got to be a part of, and it's crazy. Obviously, I started on, you know, the shows no one wanted to do, and then I got to all the big shows at MLB Network where I am today and I've kind of become the Forrest Gump for baseball I've had I've been around covering some of the biggest stuff for the past 15 years and I did a list of the nine coolest things and started with being on the field as the in ballpark MC when Julio Rodriguez broke the single round home run record mm-hmm. in a home run derby this past derby with 41 and it elevated all the way up to uh you know, the great, uh, the mad dash, Randy Arena in 2020 in the World Series, and he fell down, and, and Brett Phillips, who had the base that drove him in to walk off the Dodgers, I uh, interviewed him, and he didn't know what happened. All <laughs> hell broke loose. He had no idea Randy Rosarena fell down. And he didn't know that when they picked the ball up, they threw it to Will Smith, he didn't catch it. So I had to explain to Brett Phillips on live TV, what had happened in the biggest moment of his baseball life? And he freaked out. He couldn't believe it. So that was a really cool moment. But I think, yeah, it wasn't number one because I thought Wild Card Wednesday was number one. That tennis, of was symbolic of why MLB Network is so important. Number two is being on the post game show and covering Derek Jeter's final home game in the Bronx, which was like a storybook ending to a great career. But the fact that I was hosting the draft in 2009 and we got one kid to show up, there was one kid in the building, and then Randall Grichick was drafted, a high school outfielder, by this team that had two picks in the first round, <laughs> and we were all sweating because this kid wasn't going to get drafted in the first round, and it was Mike Trout. So Mike Trout getting drafted in our first year of covering the draft, 2009, has made us similar to you, Randy, at uh, at, uh, uh, ESPN in St. Louis. We are like kindred spirits. We are like uh, growing up and growing old together. What
0: was your number one
1: St. Louis Cardinal moment? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many. Look, I couldn't overdo the St. Louis Cardinal moment. I couldn't do that. Uh, Later in the show, when we celebrated my 15 years, I I talked about Ozzy Smith coming in. And I did a one-on-one, nine-minute interview with Ozzie Smith in Studio 42. He's my favorite player of all time. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention 2011. And in 2011, Game 6, I wasn't doing automatically every post-game show. Uh, Matt Baskirgen was in the mix. And and what we decided was if the Rangers would have won Game 6, Matt Baskirgen would do the post-game show because they would win the World Series they all everyone in the world knows I'm from St. Louis and they wanted to kinda like, you know, be fair. So they all got ready to go. I'm hanging in 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 the trailer. And Randy, you've been with me for these post game shows. We all hang in the compound, the television compound. And once it looked like the the Rangers were going to win the World Series, Matt Basgirgeon puts his tie on, I take my tie off and I'm going to go I leave with Sean Casey. I'm not on the postgame show. They're behind the outfield wall, and they're ready to do the postgame show. And then the great comeback happens, which you all saw, and they're trying to call me, and I'm already I hit the streets of St. Louis with Sean Casey. I'm having a good time. <laughs> and then it ended up being the craziest night ever, and I'm literally running around in downtown St. Louis with Sean Casey. People are honking, pulling over, giving me hugs. It was the most incredible thing ever, but it did not come close to walking down the right field line after Game 7 in 2011, all these Cardinal fans hugging me that were in their seats. I'm hugging people walking down the right field line on the field as we get ready for the postgame show. And then I'll never forget starting the show, Albert Pools and Tony LaRusso, the last time they would wear those uniforms until so Albert came back. Uh, we opened the show with those two legends on our set. So it was that moment. I'll never forget looking at uh, Kevin Millar and, and Al Leiter and Harold Reynolds. They were doing the postgame show with me. And I go, guys, this might just be a really cool day in your life. And there's like 30 seconds before we're about to go live. I go, but this is one of the top 10 days of my life. Wow! And that's what I wanted to make sure they knew, because it really was. It was really cool. Wow,
0: that is such a special moment, Greg. And I know that you mentioned being Forrest Gump, and I just want to say that you are like a box of chocolates, and you never know what you're going to get. And that's why we love you so much. So we do, though, want to get your opinion on Jordan Montgomery. I think it's really interesting, because I expect now that his free agency is really going to heat up after Yamamoto is off the market. Do you think that there's going to be any possibility of a reunion with the Cardinals? Uh, you know,
1: the Cardinals, I do believe the Cardinals need to sign another guy for that rotation. Uh, to assume the age of your rotation will be durable is uh, faulty. I don't think John Moselock believes that. So I, I don't know via trade or free agency if that will be the play. But Jordan Montgomery's price tag is going to have to come down significantly, which I think it might. Uh, I do think it might. I, I, I just right now, Lucas Giolito's market's getting more play. Now it won't be the long term commitment. I believe that Jordan Montgomery is going to end up getting, but but Lucas Giolito has the peripheral numbers that front offices tend to look at, which is his whip rate is in the 70th percentile, and he gave up 41 home runs. So if we could just keep the ball in the yard for Lucas Giolito, you're looking at a guy whose swing and miss will result in a 14-10 and 10 record with a 3.75 ERA. That's a $165 million pitcher in today's game. So I think the front offices are looking beyond the ERA and wins and losses. And when you do that with Jordan Montgomery, the swing and miss just isn't there. That's why I've been saying for a long time he's the 2023 version of Madison Bumgarner, except he smiles more than <laughs> I, I, Jordan Montgomery, to me, has proven that he can perform in a win-now situation in the Bronx, in St. Louis, in Texas. The numbers that these front offices go crazy for, they don't like, but ask Bruce Bochy how important Jordan Montgomery is. I think Bruce Bochy knows a thing or two about baseball. So if the price tag does come down because of these nonsensical thinking front office executives... Who knows? Maybe it's a bargain of a deal and the Cardinals should pounce. Hey,
0: Greg, when you look at the National League, you've got the Dodgers with Otani hitting now and Yamamoto, and they've added to their pitching staff with the trade for Glass glass now as well. Uh, You've got the Dodgers and you've got the Braves. Is there a a number three that's even close to those two in the National League?
1: That's a great question. I think the Philadelphia Phillies would probably fit that profile uh, only because the lineup is crazy because I feel like the lineup hasn't even completely gelled yet. I trade mean, Trey Turner started to turn it around, but what would happen if he actually did that for an entire season? Like, what would the RB total would be for Bryce Harper, who's not that far removed from being injured and not being able to throw? And Now you're going to have a full season of Bryce Harper playing defense, which he's openly admitted impacts his game. He likes playing on both sides of the ball. CT so Real Muto actually had a down year. I think he's going to bounce back. Alec Boehm is going to hit for more power as he ages. He hasn't done that yet. Nick Castellanos, well, he's kind of one of the most oddest human beings in baseball. Let's leave him off to the side. Nick Castellanos is off to the side. Brandon Marsh is only getting better, and now they got this other kid in center field who can fly around the bases. I feel like the Philadelphia Phillies, keeping Nolan was vital. We don't really know how good they are yet. And, and to me, I, I think they're right there with the Atlanta Braves. I, I don't think it's that much of a runaway train because I like the stability in the rotation of the Philadelphia Phillies, where there are too many question marks right now with the Atlanta Braves.
0: Looking within the Cardinals division, what do you think is going on with the Cubs? Because, of course, they made that big move spending on Craig Council, but they haven't done anything since then. What is going on with the Cubs right now?
1: I I have no idea. And the only thing I can think of is they're waiting on Bellinger, and that's the number 1 target for them. And after that, doesn't work out. Or maybe it does. I, I still think the Toronto Blue Jays end up getting Cody Bellinger because they're going to have to overpay for somebody. And I, I, I talked about this yesterday on, on the air. The, the Blue Jays had $700 million allotted for one guy. If you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s agent or Bo Bichette's agent, you're going, um, well, you didn't give that guy $700 million. Where's our contract extension. And if that conversation isn't happening right now, it's never going to happen. So now you've got two years where you're not going to have a signature face of your franchise because you're not going to keep Vladimir Guerrero, you're not going to keep Bouchette. None of those guys sign an extension with one year to go before free agency. If they get that close to the finish line, they're going to run through the finish line. They only have two years of control for both of those guys. So if you're not going to give them money immediately now after you know, trying to give seven hundred million to one guy, you're going to have to find the new face of your franchise. Of all the guys that are available, I guess that's Cody Bellinger, which which scared the hell out of me because well, for three years he couldn't find his swing. Now people point to injuries, but he's—I mean—swinging just out of control at two strikes. He cleaned it up last year. That's nice, but I think he was impacted by the setting, the friendly confines. He liked. The vibe with the Cubs. And uh, maybe Toronto is eerily similar. Maybe it is. Uh, but I think the Blue Jays are going to have to overpay for somebody. I think Bellinger's the guy. And if that happens, the Chicago Cubs are going to have to do a combination of Jorge Soler in left and J.D. Martinez as your D.H. And we'll see if that's good enough to win the Central. I don't think it is. But they, that might be their, uh, their plan B and C.
0: Okay, Greg, I, I want to finish up with this. I think that signing Sonny Gray for the Cardinals is fine if he's your number two. And, and by the way, 87 wins for the Twins last year. They went 14-18 and in Sonny Gray starts. But I want to do a quick exercise for you. Okay? Uh, the Cardinals open up against the Dodgers. Sonny Gray against Tyler Glassnow. Who do you think will be favored?
1: Tyler Glassnow.
0: Uh, Sonny Gray against Spencer Strider. Uh, it would be Spencer Strider. Uh, Sonny Gray against Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Zach Gallen. Z-
1: yeah. Well, see, this is
0: where the or, or Merrill Kelly. Or Merrill Kelly. Either one of those. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I would I would say it's a draw. I'd say it's a push. Okay, good. Justin Steele? Uh, uh, I favor Sonny Gray. Okay. Uh, what I saw in the last four starts of uh, Justin Steele makes me think uh, maybe it was smoke and mirrors.
0: Okay. Um, my point is, is that I think there's a lot of people, there's a perception out there that the Cardinals got like a a top-of-the-line number one. I think they got a top-of-the-line number two, but I think when they go head-to-head starting a series against the elite teams in the National League, they are not going to be favored.
1: Would you agree with that? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he's number one of the guys that have? No question. No question. But...
0: Uh, last year, Miles Michaelis was number one of the guys they had, you know?
1: <laughs> right. So my point is, it's a dramatic improvement it is. over what they had. And, and, and that was the goal, right? right. Like, it, it, it's the price of poker. It is what it is. Anything can still happen. Guys can evolve. They have young pitchers who want a shot and maybe something. You know, look, the teams that win are the teams that have that surprise guy. It happens every single year. I mean, did anyone think that Evan Carter was going to be the middle-of-the-order bat for the Texas Rangers in the World Series? No one was talking about Evan Carter in spring training. I was in spring training, and I talk about prospects <laughs> all the time, and they were talking about all the pitchers. No one was even talking about this kid. There's always a surprise, right? So for things to click, the Cardinals are going to need a pleasant surprise. Maybe that's Steven Matz. Maybe the time in the bullpen did something to the way he had attacks hitters. Who knows? Maybe Lance Lynn can keep the ball in the yard. I brought up Lucas Giolito. Only Lance Lynn gave up more home runs last year. Mm -hmm. If if Lance Lynn could – how about this? Can we get Lance Lynn to not throw a fastball on every pitch? Just get me (laughs) me over (laughs) breaking ball, right? Like, I get it. It's like he must have a tattoo on the middle of his back. I only throw fastballs. Like, that worked for Bartolo Colon because he had a lot of cut, and he can manipulate a fastball five different ways. But let's just throw in a wrinkle. Just uh, get me over breaking ball. And maybe that'd be enough to get the home run total down for Lance Lynn. I think the Cardinals are dramatically improved in the rotation. And when you start comparing everybody else, obviously you're going to step back and there's always going to be something to complain about. But at the end of the day, the front office did improve the glaring hole on this team, which was the rotation.
0: Absolutely. And, And I'm happy with what they did. My point in that exercise is just to say that the Cardinals still need, and you mentioned this, they have more work to do to go
1: find a number one. So you sound like my son on Christmas morning when he opens up all of his presents and then he goes, how much did that present cost for Vanessa? So he starts comparing his present to my daughter's present. And I'm like, London, what are you talking about? I'm just keeping track. I'm just keeping track. He wants, he thinks that he's getting like, you know, the rug pulled out from under him that we spent more money on our daughter. So he's, he's not appreciating the gift. He's wondering, wait a minute, time out that, those Apple headphones, those are like five bills, Dad. Like, how much did you pay for those? I was like, oh, bro, you're getting a little too deep here. <laughs> a little too deep. Appreciate your gift, and let's not worry about everyone else.
0: So, I'm just too friend. much of a materialistic baseball fan.
1: <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, enjoy the wrapping paper. Enjoy the hot cocoa, Randy. It was a good off season. John Mozeliak put lots of presents under your tree. Three brand new starters you got to open up. That is a wonderful gift, and just appreciate the presents Mo got you.
0: Yeah, I, I love getting stuff, used stuff from the thrift shop. Oh, Greg, Randy, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, old, what? old used stuff from the thrift shop. Well, true colors really coming out, and the, the season of giving. It's all about what Randy didn't get. Well, I get it. I get it now. Uh, <laughs> I'm terrible. I know. Oh, man. Happy New Year, and
1: congratulations
0: on 15 years with MLB
1: Network. Uh, you too, my friend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. You guys are the best.
0: Thanks, Greg. See you later. Love you. Uh, Greg Singer MLB Network here on 101 Randy, ESPN. Indeed. no. <laughs>